Hello, creative people. Welcome to Creative Conversations. My name is Hollis Citron, and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend your time with us. I am owner and founder of I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, and I am on a mission to expand the definition of creativity beyond a pencil and a paintbrush and to empower people, especially adults, to own their voices and talents that come in so many different forms. This space was created to talk to people with all different kinds of jobs, hobbies and interests, and to have conversations about experiences and perspectives all centered around three questions. How do you define creativity? How do you incorporate it into your life? And why do you think it's important? Then we have a free-flowing conversation and we see where it goes. So I have had the opportunity to speak to so many. I've spoken to musicians, comedians, doctor, lawyer, wrestlers, Reiki masters, and entrepreneurs as young as 13. And these conversations explore the reality that creativity is not cute, it is necessary. People have defined creativity as that magic spark, how we show up in our life, imagination, basically all that we are and want to be, do, or have. So I believe from my heart that sharing these stories gives one the ability to expand their thinking, open themselves up for more self-expression, to feel more empowered, connected, and dare I say, happy. So my inspiring guest for today is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross. She is a transformational leadership coach specializing in shifting clients out of pain and struggle and into joy and creativity. Her expertise is both leadership and systems, which allow individuals and teams to become joyful, efficient, and profitable. Mary, Mary, welcome to the space. Right on. Are we here? You are here. <laughs> oh, I am so excited to be here. And, and oh, gosh, I even love that introduction. And um, God, thank you for the invitation to talk about the intersection between creativity and leadership. Mm, thank you. I'm so excited. And I have to say, you are my first podcast of 2023. So right welcome. On. Thank you. Hey. This is a, I, I'm excited to kick off the new year with you. Yes, me too. Me too. What a perfect way. So before we dive in and get into all the juicy bits, um, is there any fun facts or anything that you would like to share before we get started? I, you know what? Yes. Uh, so about during, during COVID, um, we weren't able to travel for over the holidays, of course. And um, my husband knows how much I love the movie Elf. And uh, the love that were, movie. Yeah, I'm sorry right? to interrupt you. I, I love that movie. Yes. Yeah. And so <laughs> we were, it was, you know, coming up to the holidays and we're kind of just feeling down about things. And he says, what do you think about just having like snowflakes on the ceiling? And I, and the first thing I thought of is there's no way I'm cutting out snowflakes. Like I did that in, high, in, in grade school, right? <laughs> no, no. And I was like, no, no, I think you can buy them already cut out. What if we did this like elf? Um, in, in the, in the Santa's workshop that he put together. Oh my God, that's brilliant. So we, in 2020, we put up, uh, in our, on our ceiling, in our front room, our living room, um, snowflakes and swirls. And then we also got one of those, um, galaxy lights and shine that up there. And one, then of course we had to add a little, uh, um, disco ball to, you know, reflect even more of the light. 
So that, that happened in 2020. And when the holidays were over and we, uh, we can't leave snowflakes up all year round, we decided to replace the snowflakes with stars. And so now in our front room, we constantly have these things hanging from our ceiling. And I don't know anyone else who has done that or would even consider doing that. <laughs> I, first of all, I have to say there are no rules on anything. <laughs> so right, why right. can't you keep it up at any point? But um, do the stars glow in the dark? Oh, I love that suggestion of an upgrade. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> no, but they are, um, some of them are metallic and, and or plastic. And so the rotating galaxy lights uh, reflect mm. off of those. And then it kind of looks like shooting scar stars in our, in our room. That is so brilliant. So everybody... This is such a perfect way right now of even, we haven't even gotten into the thick of it. And here in the title where I said, joy is in the title, you, this is a way, these are the ways of inserting joy into your everyday life. You look at that every day and you're like, look at that. It's, it affects you every day in a beautiful way. It does. And then when new people come over, like over the holiday or for New Year's this year, we had some family over that hadn't we hadn't seen again in a couple of years. And just, it's normal to me, right? I don't even think about it. And then to see their reaction when they're walking in, like, what is this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love it. It's wow. Okay. That is a, thank you for that fun fact. Yeah. So much fun. Okay. So we're going to do a would you rather question and then we're going to dive into the questions. So right. Miss Mary, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Would you rather be forced to sing along or dance to every song that you hear? A sing for sure. Okay. For sure. I, it's not that um, I think I necessarily have a fabulous voice, but I would say I, I'm not super comfortable in my body. Right. And so the idea of dancing and moving that much is not appealing to me at all. Mm -hmm. So I'll do the singing part. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you say that because I have always, I have felt that way for a really long time, like yeah. not feeling comfortable. But I've, as I've gotten past when I had my, you know, my fuck you 51s and I was just kind of like moving along and I was like, you know what? I don't care. So I just, so I'll, I'll dance, you know, wherever in the living room and the, yeah. it's not always necessarily out in public, although it's gotten more to be in public. Cause even when my daughter and I are waiting in line, yeah. let's say, and all of a sudden we'll start doing like a hip bump yeah. and then all of a sudden some music might be playing. <laughs> I'll just kind of start like not full out doing pirouettes, but, um, and stuff, but moving my body in a much more comfortable way, but it's kind of been, I've eased into it. Well, that's gives me hope because I um, am often described as an Elaine dancer. If you're familiar with the Seinfeld, oh uh, yes, yeah, that that's me. <laughs> <laughs> that just totally, I totally see it. I love it. <laughs> Which brings more joy into somebody's life. <laughs> well, it certainly does. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. So moving on. So here we go. And again, I want to welcome those that are here with us live. Thank you so much for being here. Any questions or comments, please feel free to put them in the chat box below. You can be part of the conversation. Okay. So Miss Mary, so the first official, official question is how do you define creativity? 
I've, I've thought about this um, and I have to define it. I want to define it as what it's not. So I think about leadership on a continuum actually from on, on the one end where we feel like life is happening to us, we are very defensive um, because we have to defend ourselves against all these external kinds of um, attacks. Mm -hmm. On the other end of the continuum is the life is happening for me. And when I see that life is happening for me, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of in a dance now with the universe um, to create what I want. And so either I'm defensive because things are happening to me and I gotta defend myself or I'm in a creative state and I'm using anything that's happening around me to create um, what I want to see in life. Mm. I love so, that contrast, that duality. So yeah, so go ahead, sorry. Yeah, well, no, that, um, in, in a, one of our earlier conversations um, about creativity that, that really came up for me and stuck with me is that as entrepreneurs, I think we're all creative because, you know, again, we're thinking about um, my niche and, and who do I serve and, and this idea about creatives came up and I'm thinking, gosh, any entrepreneur um, is creative because what what we're doing is we're creating something that didn't already exist. Yes. I think that's the act of creating, right? You're creating something new. Yes. Um, and so I started to see entrepreneurship in my own business as my art form. This is my medium is my business. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I made that shift, I, I think it, I, you know, it's probably more on the defensive end than I was willing to admit at the time. And because now when I see it as this is my medium, this is what I get to do. It, it has shifted everything for me. Um, it's, I'm not defending myself. It's, it's not, oh my gosh, I got to get this done and that done. And, and in these timelines, like, I know what I want. I know what I want to create. And I know that all of this is going to happen in the right time. Wow. <laughs> I, I, it's amazing. What a, I, it just, it seemed like a slight little, um, shift, yeah. uh, mindset shift. Yeah. What a difference that made. Yes. Yes. But it's, it is right. It's those little it's those little shifts. It's those little baby steps yeah. that we do that all of a sudden, when you said, you know, it's creating new ideas um, or mm -hmm. forming something that wasn't there. And the newness could be just to us. Did it exist before? It could have existed to somebody else, but exactly. to us, it's, but to us, it's new. Yeah. So, and then we will apply it in the way that we apply it in whether, whatever that is, whether it's in, like you said, in the medium of my business. And thank you for bringing that up right away because this is what we are freaking doing here is right. it's beyond drawing and painting it's understanding that yes. that life is this creative force it's this creative and just like you said to kick it right off is is life happening for me or is it life happening to me is yeah huge it really is the way that we see the world is the way that um, we experience it and then the way that we respond to it and you know like energy attracts like energy the more defensiveness yeah. i put out the more i'm going to get back and i'm just going to wonder why are all these people so off-centered i'm going to say a nice word <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? yeah. yes 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 <laughs> it's not me it couldn't possibly be me all of these other people are crazy yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, so Chris and I um, seeing that you put in here, good afternoon and wishing you a, um, a wonderful new year. So thank you for being here. Okay, so Mary, why don't you take us on your journey a little bit about how you've gotten to this point because you've been in leadership, you've been yeah. in many different um, uh, spaces and places. So why don't you take us a little bit on the ride? Well, I'm going to start where I'm going to end. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, this idea about creativity and using our business as, um, as our medium. When we make that decision and we say, this is how we're going to perceive this, we let go of the expectation that there is a manual for how to get this done. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's one of the things that has been the biggest challenge in entrepreneurship is we are creating something new and it, maybe it's new for us, but that means that there's no manual that we can go to. We really just have to feel this and we have to figure this out. Um, so now let me go back to the beginning of my experience as a leader. I was in public education. And for me, being the leader that brought out the best in others, either whether I was in the classroom teaching or I was an uh, administrator leading um, the adults, what I wanted more than anything was to bring out the best in other people. And I thought that in order to do that and to become the leader that I wanted to be, that meant I needed experience and I needed credentials. Um, I could do without the credentials probably, you know, it was really in my mind at the time, it was really the experience, but the, so the credentials were kind of like a, the cherry on top, like to prove to everybody that yes, mm. Mary really does know leadership. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what I did. I, I got my, uh, I moved into administrative roles by the time I was 30 and um, continued to go to school, uh, eventually earning my doctorate in leadership. And I'm sure that no one will be surprised to hear that those two things together did not make me the leader that I wanted to be. Hmm. And that, that was really, not only was I not the leader that I wanted to be, in fact, I was just kind of writing out some of this. I was thinking about this earlier today. And, and I also realized at that same time in my life, um, by t when I started my administrative career, my health took a huge turn and my, my psoriasis had really flared up and it was in my joints and I had so much pain in moving that I thought that in my early thirties, I was going to have to end up on disability because I didn't know how I was going to get out of the house. Wow. At the, also at that same time, my personal relationships were suffering. Um, I was, I had moved away from my family, which kind of just made the disconnection that I had with my family at the time seem normal, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I was disconnected from my family. I was unhappy in my marriage and I hadn't maintained any relationships from high school. And so I really felt totally, utterly alone. And so this whole experience, I'm not the leader that I want to be. My health has taken a hit and I, I'm personally miserable. Mm -hmm. Well, how you know i think even when i think back at that time i just thought this is what happens like this i'm following what <laughs> i thought i was supposed to be doing you know i got married i went to school i got my my degree I, and i became a professional i thought i was doing everything right and um finally my superintendent at the time of course at the time i was really resentful but he pulled me in one day and said, look, Mary, it's not what you're doing. Because he said, I would do exactly what you're doing. 
but what you're doing isn't working. So you have to either figure this out or you have to go. Hmm. And so when I went back to my desk after that conversation, this was really the first time that I asked myself, okay, so it's not what you're doing. Mary, you've already done all the right things and yet you're not getting the right results. Um, how can this be? And I, and I asked myself that question, how can this be? What other levers do I have to manipulate in order to create the results that I want if it's not what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. And what occurred to me in that moment was the Johari window. It's, it's a framework that I was exposed to in my psych classes. And basically it's a quad, think of quadrants. And in one quadrant, there's parts of you that you know and everybody else does too. And, and across from that is the quadrant of things that you don't know about you and no one else does either. And mm-hmm. it occurred to me that I, even then, in that moment when I was so, um, you know, unhappy about this conversation, right, this ultimatum that I was given, um, I still believe that my superintendent wanted what was best for me. And, and I didn't feel like he was holding back for me. So what I concluded at that time was whatever is holding me back is in this unknown quadrant. I don't know what it is because I've already done everything I know how to do. My, my colleagues, my, my, the people that are supposed to be supporting me don't know what this is and they can't help me. And the next thing that literally came out of my mouth is I wish I had a coach. And what mm. that meant to me was that a coach would help me uncover what was in this unknown quadrant so that my doing would now create the results that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And that afternoon, I decided that I, I couldn't be the only leader that was experiencing these kinds of challenges. And so I wanted to be the coach that I wish that I had had. Wow. Okay. <laughs> there are three. Okay. There are three words that are um, popping out to me right now okay. that just um, prove, mm-hmm. disconnection, and ultimatum. Mm. So um, this whole proving to everybody else, you got your doctorate because you wanted to, or because you felt like you were proving something. I know this, I, all of this disconnected from everything, from the world, from self, which really sucks when this happens, everybody. And when we think, like you said, well, I'm doing everything right. I'm doing everything the way it should be done. Mm-hmm. And then your your boss saw all this and was like, there's the ultimatum. So when you looked into this, so um, did you stay in your job no. while getting a coach? No, I didn't. No. Okay. No, I left. Um, so that would have been probably about this time of the school year, like, you know, in the spring when they're making plans for staffing for the following year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, by the end of that spring semester, I had submitted my resignation because I was committed to becoming a coach. Okay. Okay. So here you go. Yeah. You, you went, you, um, were like, I'm doing this. And what was, what did that next chapter look like? So I, I still stay on my same path. I do the right things. I get certified as a coach. I, and, and the program I went through was amazing. Um, and I also realized that I stay home for an entire year in my mind, maybe saying that I'm a leadership coach, although not, not easily, which also meant that I was never told anyone else I was a leadership coach, which meant that I had no business. And, Mm -hmm. um, so after a year of not knowing what to do, because again, I thought it was what I was doing and not doing, 
um, I went back to work, got a, got a job and um, coached uh, school leadership teams in underperforming schools. And um, it was really through that experience where I first realized that I could be good at this because um, I got the results back. I had worked with four high schools um, here in the Chicago area. They were all chronically underperforming, which means that their students were performing like in the lowest fifth percentile. And it wasn't just for a year, like the, there was a chronic history of this kind of student performance. And so my job was to work with these school leadership teams to help turn things around. And so I approached this as not only a consultant, um, really, I would say maybe 20% as a consultant and 80% as a coach versus, versus the other way around, um, mm -hmm. which meant that I really leaned into and relied on my coaching. Um, it wasn't necessarily the way that I was directed to do the work, but that's how I chose to deliver the work. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the four years that I worked with these four high schools, uh, three of those four high schools were, had made so much progress, they were no longer eligible for services. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That was like, I, how is this even possible? Like, these are high schools. These things just don't happen that quickly. And yet it was. Um, and the one school that um, didn't make the progress was a school that said, you know what, Mary, we got this. It was a volunteer. They did not have to work with me. They were not compelled. I, it, it was voluntary. And so I had four schools, three, three that said, yeah, Mary, we'll work with you. One that said, no, we got this. And it was the three schools that worked with me that made that progress. Now, so that means, so what I'm now finally starting to see myself as a leadership coach, I'm shifting how of my own identity. Yeah. At the same time as I'm doing this, I'm going on and doing my own personal work. Um, you know, when you point out those three words, and one was, um, what were they? Ultimatum. Disconnection, uh, improve. Yeah, improve. Yeah. Those are all life is happening to me points of view. Mm -hmm. I was mm -hmm. really in this very defensive state. And I've, I didn't have that language. I didn't have that framework. I had no idea that that's what was happening. Um, but when I, I, I my uh, psoriasis flared up again. And this time it was, it was even worse than before. Um, my whole, like basically from the waist up, um, my skin was burning from the inside out. So oh it looked like I had, blis I had massive sunburns, uh, blisters, just the same way that a burn would look and feel. And yeah. um, I finally find a doctor who would be willing not to just put me on biologics for this, um, but would really work with me holistically. Mm -hmm. um, he, his comment was, oh, Mary, you're not broke. Um, you just have chronic stress. This is hmm. to your, the bottom of your chronic stress and this is all going to go away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> was that like a breath of fresh air? Were you like, oh, my God, somebody's actually listening to me and not yes. just trying to give me prednisone? Exactly. So, not, OK, there's a path forward. I don't know what this path is, but there is a path forward. And so, you know, again, I, I don't have a manual. I'm making this up as I go. Um, I, in, in part of my training, I had become uh, certified as an NLP uh, master practitioner. And, and part of that is um, being certified in, in hypnotherapy. Um, and I decided that I wanted to be retrained in hypnotherapy. Um, but this time I wanted to experience it as a client before I, I got the training. Um, so this is really where my work got deep. 
Um, I didn't know. Um, so I was adopted at birth and I didn't realize how much my grief I had that was unacknowledged and then obviously unresolved. Um, and so when I was able to release a lot of that pent up grief that just came in wave after wave after wave, um, I came to from that experience, literally feeling like my cells were changing. Um, and I kind of, I shouldn't have drove home that day, but I drove home kind of in a daze and I was just kind of dazed out for the rest of the day. And that is where I mark the beginning of my change from now I know what it means. So this coaching program that I went through is where I learned this, you know, life is happening to me or life is happening for me, but it was just knowledge to me. I hadn't applied it to my own life. And now I'm seeing like, oh my gosh, of course I'm, I'm highly defensive because I've got this unresolved um, and unacknowledged uh, grief that's just hanging out there that needs to go. <laughs> and yeah. so when I learned those techniques, how do you let go of, of not only the story, but the m- emotional energy that holds that story together? How do I let that go? That's what that, that hypnotherapy um, did for me. And I use those strategies now with, with some of my clients. <sighs> okay. So, wow. So in saying that, that just also kind of made me think of the connection where you said you were working with these schools yep. that had, um, this was a historical thing. They weren't sure. doing well. Yep. So again, it's this, it's, it's ingrained. Well, yeah. we suck. You know, yes. we, we, our teacher, for whatever reasons, our test scores are low, all the reasons. So, um, how, how did you, without obviously having to give everything away, but I'm curious, what are the main things that you did with them in order to those three schools that became in what I call this leadership systems, efficiency, profitability, and joy, Mm -hmm. was it systems efficiency? Like what was this turnaround? You know, it was, it started with systems, right? Because these schools lacked any kind of system to even monitor student, the outcomes that they were being measured by. Mm -hmm. Um, So we definitely needed systems. And in that process, though, of putting in systems, you come up with all kinds of reasons why we can or we can't or we should or we shouldn't, and it should be this way or that way, you come up with all of these points of view. And that's then where things kind of fall apart. I didn't, I wasn't aware of this at the time, but I think what I was really good at doing at that point is bringing up what, what is your, uh, the language I use now is what is the story behind that recommendation? So what Mm -hmm. makes this recommendation to you the best? Mm -hmm. And then I, then everyone gets to hear that. And we would go around the room and, and now what I know about agreement is that even when it looks like on the outside that we are night and day from one another on a, on an issue, at some point there is agreement. And when we can find that agreement, then we can let go of some of those defenses that we are using to protect ourselves in our position and, and our, our contributions. Mm-hmm. Um, we can let that go because now we already know that we are in agreement. We're working towards a, a common goal. Yeah. Now, how we get there might look differently, but we know that we're all agreeing to this common goal. And that, again, helps us reduce our own defensiveness. Is it a matter of kind of releasing people along the way that don't have that goal? 
you know, it's a no, actually, it's more about acknowledging the different mm. points of view. Because mm-hmm. I even think about myself as a leader. Like, I had some very strong opinions. As a leader, I thought that I had to have all the right answers. Um, and so while I would go through the motions of getting input, I would end up doing it my own way anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think that's what happens when we're in a, that this defensive stance. So when everyone around the team is now around the table is now not defending themselves against one another. Yes. Now we're able to, that's the bringing out the best in everyone. And, and now everyone's contribution gets to create an outcome that exceeded our expectations. And they did it. I didn't do it. Right. I, I create the space. And that's why I realized yes. that I do as a coach is I create the space um, and I can help steer some um, thought processes, uh, you know, dig under what just I can help them dig. And yes. that's what I do. And then the client takes that and is able to create what they want with that. Yeah, because when somebody isn't defending themselves, then um, they're listening. Exactly. There's more of a, a listening and a um, uh, more respect. Right. Than um, a tit for tat and just, you know, basically I, I see a vision of, you know, putting your fingers in your ears and just being like, blah, 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 yes. blah, you know. You know, the other thing that's coming up for me, even as I hear your feedback there, is this idea that again, of being right. And so when I, when I'm around a table and I'm defensive, I'm, I'm defensive that my answer is the best answer. Yeah. And I'll just argue for my position, whether it really is or not, I'll just argue for my position. Um, yeah. So helping team the, then ultimately with one of the school teams, um, we kind of pulled the cover back or pulled the curtain back and said, let's specifically talk about how we get defensive with one another. Mm-hmm. And what are those routines that we can build into our language and, and our meetings that would um, keep this first and foremost, so that we're not pretending like it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a way now to communicate with one another and be more vulnerable with one another. Yes. What a concept, a way to communicate with each other. Yeah. Because can we really communicate with one another when we're being defensive? I don't think so. No. No, because it's, it's, it goes back to, you know, all of the why I am right. Yeah. Or there can be a situation where um, a person knows they're wrong, mm-hmm. but doesn't want to admit they're wrong. So they'll mm-hmm. fight for their Right, position right. anyway because they don't want to look stupid right none of us want to look stupid yeah and i, I think that's one of those things that maybe if, if we have a hard time finding something to agree on maybe we can just agree with that none of us want to look stupid here so how can we do how can we have this conversation so none of us would feel that way yeah i remember I, one of my specialties as a teacher was working with children with emotional um, and behavior challenges and mm-hmm. I remember in one of the trainings, um, uh, the trainer saying, you know, at all times, you got to be willing and ready to give positive feedback, regardless of what the child is <laughs> doing in the moment. And so he told this story about this um, uh, five-year-old who was in the middle of a tantrum and just really just 
just clutching around his leg and screaming. And, and he said to her, I really like the way you're breathing right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. that, that moment right there was enough to, to interrupt her pattern of thinking and she, and he was able to intervene. Yes. And so I still I think about that. Like, how can I acknowledge something that's going well in this moment? Yeah. Yeah, that's such a great way of of um, stating that. I immediately thought of something. It, it just popped into my head because it's a pattern interrupt. Um, yeah. Not doesn't have to totally do with this, but I think it's funny. Uh, so <laughs> in one of the baby books um, with our first child, um, didn't read the baby books really, except for yeah. this one, because it had a lot of sarcasm. Okay. And one of the things said that when your toddler is having a meltdown, say a whole bunch of random words and throw their name in it once in a while. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And it'll get them to stop. Yeah. And it works. It sure does. It does. It sure does. <laughs> so, because he'd be in the middle of like, blah, and we'd be saying, you know, supercalifragilistic. And then there was the idiom that did it. And Jared, and he'd be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. What? But in what you're saying, to take it back to that, is that even when there's these things that are going on, you don't agree, you perceive yeah. it as negative, then you find something. Yeah. That's, that's a beautiful nugget. Mm-hmm always something. Whew, I want to thank the people that are here live. Thank you so much for being here. Please feel free to put any questions or comments in the chat and you can be part of the conversation that way. So, okay. So let's learn a little bit more about um, you, Mary. So in the second question, it is, how do you incorporate more creativity into your own life? I would say that that's kind of my, the, again, I use that scale to evaluate um, myself, the results that I'm getting and, and how I'm feeling about my experiences. Uh, so when I feel myself get sideways, whether it's with, a, you know, a project isn't um, moving at the timeline that I think it should, or somebody didn't um, deliver or something that they said they would, um, I get to look at how am I responding to that? Am I seeing this as something that's happening to me and now I have to defend myself, which means I have to respond in a way that um, positions myself as I'm right and you're wrong. Mm -hmm. um, or I can say, oh, well, maybe my timeline is completely arbitrary. And what if this timeline didn't need to be the way I thought it should? Mm -hmm. So what, what is want, what, what seems to be wanting to happen here? And what is the pace at which this seems to be wanting to happen? And so that's, so again, if I feel sideways and I don't feel like I'm in sync with the projects that I'm working on, then it's probably because I'm defending in some way, I'm trying to make it look some way that I think it should, rather than saying, here's my vision for it. Here's what, um, you know, I, I kind of have in mind, but then letting the universe work with me, because oftentimes, again, my own visions can be very uh, short-sighted, um, but even a short-sighted vision moves me in that direction. And mm -hmm. so if I can just move in that direction, and I've really learned in this past year that all I have to do is take the next step. I don't have to have it all figured out. I don't have to have it all mapped out from A to, a to Z. Um, I just have to know where it is that I want to go and what's my next step. Mm -hmm. And when I, 
when I made that shift and I made it in, uh, consciously made that shift, then time seemed to slow down for me. Mm -hmm. Then it seemed like I had plenty of time to do what I needed to do. Um, and I wasn't having to make anything happen. Again, making, I think, is that defensive role. When I'm creating something, when I'm, I'm, I'm in sync with either other people on a team I'm collaborating with, or I'm just in sync with the projects that I'm working on, things, the, the projects tend to evolve and develop themselves. As long as, it, it, as long as it, again, my job is to just stay and flow with that and not try to take over. Yeah. And I laugh because um, I've been known to be referred to as a, a control person in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe that's still true for some people. I don't know, but definitely was true in the past. <laughs> it's well, yeah, it's that whole that whole gripping. I mean, so many things yeah. that you just said, I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to is is, you know, well, it has a deadline, Mary, and it's supposed to be done in a month and right. we can't go beyond that month. We just, yeah. we can't. So it needs to be done. And mm -hmm. meanwhile, there's so much pushback, pushback, mm -hmm. pushback when, okay, maybe that's a real deadline because for whatever reason, it right. is a real deadline. Or is it a real deadline because we just said it was going to happen and we're just controlling it and mm -hmm. it does need more time to grow and it, it needs, it needs, it's, it's a life. Yeah. It's a life force. It is. So it's kind of, it is releasing that, um, releasing some of that control. Mm -hmm. And I would say, I, I'll call myself a recovering control person. Mm -hmm. um, gosh, it feels so much more fun um, to be in this space than it was when I felt like I had to control every variable and make it turn out just right. Mm -hmm. um, this way, again, I, I know where I'm, I'm headed. I know what it is I want to create. And then let's see what happens along the way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm open. I'm open yeah. to, to see what kind of happens and what unfolds. It's, it's, yeah. that's where it's making the mistakes. It's giving yourself permission. Um, for me, I'll put it in those words. And when I'm working with clients and when we're forming and shaping things, it's like you have permission um, to do this, to make mistakes. Cause you're going to screw up. Cause we do. It's just in whatever that, in whatever that perception of a screw up is because it didn't go the way you expected. And that's, you know, it's in the movie letters to Juliet. It's, it's like, it's in the messy bits. It is in the messy bits. And, you know, even if you think about this continuum of life is happening to me to life is happening for me, uh, failures look very different. So if life is happening to me and somehow I have failed, that is a huge blow to my ego. That hurts. Yeah. But if I'm on the creative side and I'm seeing what happens, I'm experimenting and I don't get the results that I wanted, I say, oh my goodness, look at what I've learned. Yes. I can't, or I did make up these timelines. I don't have to keep my, you know, these timelines. Uh, you know, I just, I, you start to see, um, you use that if that feedback that a I didn't get what I wanted to to make shifts. You know, it's that those one percent little shifts that that make the difference. Yeah, and then like you said, when you're in that creative space and when you're in that mindset, then it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. I didn't expect right. that to happen. 
Right. And that's where the fun is. That's where the fun is. Yeah. Yeah. Because even in the, if life would have played out exactly as I thought it should, according to a little playbook I was using, I don't think I would have been happy with the results because I would yeah. just, this is what the results are supposed to be. Versus yeah. when you kind of let go of all of that and you say, what results are we going to get here? You have the element of surprise. <laughs> yes. Okay. So do you have any kind of morning routine? I do. I do. I what love to it? get up early in the morning. Um, and that varies on, you know, what's happening with me physically. And, um, but I usually wake up around four o'clock. Uh, sometimes I'll then get up maybe between five and six. And what I love about that time of day is that, that to me, that's when the house is the darkest, it's the quietest. And that's where I really hear my soul, my heart. Um, so during that time, I, I don't have a strict routine of what I do. It's my intent for that time is for me to, to connect with me. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that means that I'll meditate, um, sometimes, uh, with, uh, assistance, you know, guided meditation, sometimes without, um, some, that'll be the time where maybe I'm reading an inspirational book. Um, and I'll listen to some chapters of that. Um, I've also just started, um, it's a movement is, is often recommended as part of this. And you've kind of heard like, uh, my distaste for movement. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Donna Eden. Uh, yes. she's an yeah. And so mm -hmm. she has, um, a daily energy routine. And one of my coaches keeps last fall was like, Mary, I don't know why you're not doing this. You should, this, this is the best and easiest thing to do for yourself. So, so just do it. Mm -hmm. And so over the holidays, I did commit to that. I did start doing the daily energy routine. And now they also have um, a 30 day joy energy routine. And so that's what I'm doing right now is I start my day with those kinds of movements. And then again, pick from, do I feel like meditating today? Do I feel like listening and, and taking on new information today? Or do I feel like just sitting here? Mm -hmm. um, do I want to just go outside, uh, sit in the backyard and listen to the birds? Mm -hmm. That's what I love to do to, to kick off my day oh, with a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> with a cup of coffee, of yeah. course. <laughs> so what, what you were saying, and I think that the listeners, people can just kind of fill in the blank is, do I want to blank? Yeah. Just fill it in for yourself. It's that yeah. the morning, because the morning, like you said, I admire you for every day getting up at those times. Um, yeah. Kudos to you. But it really is that time. Is there any kind of a, uh, do you have to fight with your hand not to grab your phone? No, I do not. My husband broke me of that when we first got married, because I, apparently I was on Facebook a lot when we were together and he let me know that he didn't like that. Mm -hmm. And so now I really rarely do anything on my phone mm -hmm. other than what I absolutely have to. So yeah, phone for me is not um, a distraction, fortunately. Very impressive. Again, second impressive thing <laughs> in less than five minutes. Wow. <laughs> Ooh, let's make it three. <laughs> that was like even less than two minutes. You said two impressive things. <laughs> So well, okay. I want to go back to one of the things that you said too, and about the yeah. allowing piece, because when I started um, the, 
I, who wrote the book? Hal Elrod, I think, wrote the book about Miracle Morning or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And after I've read that, I, you know, get my, get my pattern of here's what I'm supposed to do. And so let's put in the routine and just do it. Well, it was so rigid mm-hmm. that um, it didn't feel right to me. And so that's when I, I think this is one of the first areas where I really gave myself permission to feel into, Mary, what do you want today? What do you need today to fill yourself up? Yeah and to follow that intuition. So much of, uh, I love just asking people because I'm curious and the answers vary so much. And uh, a lot of people get so hard on themselves because they're like, okay, I need to have a morning routine. Yeah, Uh, I'm just thinking in general. And it is, it's that whole, again, it's that whole pushing against and it's, it is, it's too rigid. Mm -hmm. And I know for me that there's an innate thing where it's like, okay, you're going to tell me to do it. Well, I don't really want to do it. (laughs) There's that, there's that fighting piece where it's like, no, you can't tell me what to do. Um, But when you're feeling into it and it's about connection, it's about self-awareness. It's about feeling energized and being filled up to start your day on a higher vibration. And reminding myself that I deserve to start the day off deserve as, as calm and collected and complete mm-hmm. um, as I can be. There we go. That's the important word too. I deserve. I deserve it. Yeah. We all do ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> because you know, there's still mornings that I oversleep or sleep in and, and I don't do those things. And I will, my exhaustion level at the end of the day is, is remarkably different. Yes. Yeah. So we know this. So I can (laughs) immediately, when you said that I was thinking of this happened more years ago, it has happened. Actually it did happen like a month and a half ago where I was doing this job where I needed to be in my car by quarter to six in the morning, which meant that I needed to get up at quarter to five and I had my whole routine. Mm -hmm. Well, I must have pressed snooze because I'm an avid snooze presser Mm -hmm. and I kind of threw my phone on the floor. Uh So (laughs) when I woke up, it was 10 of six. (laughs) <laughs> Ooh, that really cut into your prep time routine. That because I should have been in the car. <laughs> right. So I'm saying that because I woke up. Like, I, yeah. I just woke up screaming. Oh. My husband is like, what? "What? What? What happened?" I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> so yeah. um, and then everything, everything worked out. It's you know because everything is fixable. You're kind of stuck in that. But you know how if you do in that everything's happening to me, mm-hmm. you fall into that, um, well, my day just sucked because I yep. woke up bad. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're stuck with that for the rest of the you're day. Stuck with it for the rest mm-hmm. of the day. And it's like, well, I'm just going to go to sleep and start again. Right. Um, instead of I've learned to be like, okay, that was ridiculous. Yeah. Or even that really sucked. I don't want to do that again. <laughs> I And I learned from that point on, yeah. like where to put the phone, where it wouldn't happen. So lesson learned, but then my husband also was sure to wake up with me every morning. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just these systems, these systems that we kind of put in place to be like, okay, so this is the goal. This is yeah. what's happening. So how do we support it in the best way possible to get the best results that we can? Yep. We need, we all need systems. Um, 
because there's no way that we have the mental capacity to recreate our lives every single day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So before we go on to the last question, is there anything that you Mary like to do for just like complete release, like cooking, music, going for walks, um, I don't know, whatever, throwing paint against the wall. Is there anything? My favorite thing to do is, is just to be outside. Mm -hmm. um, so taking a walk. Um, well, again, during COVID, my husband and I started uh, to walk from our house to the lakefront here in Chicago. And, and that's a, almost a three hour or three mile walk. Mm -hmm. And um, we started it in the spring and, and on Saturdays and Sunday mornings. And, and we would we did that throughout the, the summer and into the fall. And what I loved so much about that, not only just the time with my husband and it, it was we were early. And so the whole city, again, was super quiet. And um, but I got to see the transition of, of the seasons, which mm. before that, uh, you know, you get in your house, you're in your house all day until you get to your car, you drive to your destination and park in your car and you come back in your house. You don't see outside. Yeah. Um, and so this was an opportunity for me to really be outside. And uh, so now we have a puppy. And uh, so I get to be outside with her several times a day. <laughs> and, um, you know, even then I, I caught myself one day being grumbling about, oh, why do I have to take you out again? Right. And then I, I said to myself, Mary, you, you became an entrepreneur so that you could integrate your life and business. Yeah. Um, hello, this is the life part. So go ahead and enjoy the life part because you're going to get back to business when you get back to the house. Right. Yes. So that those little reminders, uh, those little epiphanies, I guess, kind of stick with me. And so when I catch myself complaining um, that, you know, her needs are superseding mine in the moment. It's like, mm -hmm. this is life. Enjoy mm -hmm. it. And it is, it's just like what you just said, enjoy. When you have that life and when you have the business, it's a balance. Yeah. Or as another person that I was speaking to, she's like, I don't believe in the word balance. I believe in the word harmony. Okay. I was like, okay. Either, yeah, it's 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 the harmony in that because we know, ladies and gentlemen, that one more two, go, 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 go in the house, don't get outside, da, da, yeah. da, da. Generally, we feel kind of crappy. Mm -hmm. And I was actually wondering about your psoriasis. Has it gotten better? Is it, have you had flare-ups? Um, it has gotten better. Um, and I haven't had a flare-up probably in a couple of years. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not where I want it to be. So I, it's something that I'm still working towards. Okay. But it's better than it was. It is definitely better than it was. Mm -hmm. That's good. That is very good news. Yeah. Okay. So third and final question is kind of like the question that kind of wraps it up and puts a nice little bow on it, which mm -hmm. is why do you think creativity is important? Okay. So the first thing that came to my mind is joy because mm -hmm. creativity is important because that's how we experience joy. Mm. Yeah. Couldn't agree with that anymore. <laughs> how we experience life. And ladies and gentlemen listening, feel free to put your answers in the chat box as well. Um, be great to hear from you. Joy. Yes. 
because it is meant to be experienced. We are meant to experience our life. Yeah. And feel all the feels that we feel in it. Ladies and gentlemen, not everything is perfect. That's not right. everything is just like, as sometimes I've been accused of, it's not all rainbows and butterflies, Hollis. I'm like, really? <laughs> right. Right. There are a lot more rainbows and butterflies out there than many people are aware of. Yes. Um, and and I that's to me that's the sad part. I, I agree that life is is a, meant to be fully experienced, the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. Um, I think what happens though, what, I'll just from my own experience, um, my previous experience where I, when I was highly defensive, I wasn't able to allow myself to experience joy. Mm-hmm. Um, it. I, I still had more work to do, or I hadn't gotten to the result I wanted, or even if I did get to the result I wanted, that's what was supposed to happen anyway. There's no joy in that. Yeah. Um, and now, again, as we were talking earlier, the surprise element is where the joy is. Yeah. Such an important takeaway, um, I think, for everybody, even even if you just kind of grab that, yeah, is this whole talk about, you know, realizing when you're being defensive. Right. And it's way more often than, than you would even know. I still catch myself mm-hmm. um, defense, defensively um, responding to something in my head. It'll be like, Mary, what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be out loud. <laughs> it doesn't have to. No, because it's the quiet ones, right? It's the inner chatter that we don't say out loud that is the worst. Because yeah. if we could say it out loud, then we would break its power. Um, but yeah, so we keep all those dark little things quiet, but it's influencing how we see the world. Yeah. Ah, and we Mary. don't get stuck. That's, that's a, I think that's the last thing that I wanted to say about that is even when horrible things happen, and I think we've all experienced um, a lot of really horrible things in the past few years with COVID and, and losses in our families and businesses and all of those kinds of things, a lot of things have happened. And it, those are not rainbow and butterflies. It's not meant to be. Um, but what we're able, what I'm able to do now that I wasn't able to do before is I'm able to recover from that more quickly. Yes. So as in the past, if some of, some of the things that I've experienced over the past few years would have happened to me in the past, that would have been, I would have been out of, you know, really just in survival mode then for several months mm-hmm. versus now it, you know, something really bad. Um, will will take the wind away from me but i also know that i'm always going to get that wind back mm, i love that yeah i i, I think it's just uh, it's so important for people there's so many little takeaways but it's just that concept of it's the baby steps it's yeah. the small it's you don't have to it's you don't have to know the how right. you don't have to know all of that that big picture it's just that's where people get stuck it's yeah. where inaction happens. It's where the fears mm-hmm. build up because people are hesitant. We, 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 I'll say not just people, we, we, as humans, we, we tend to overthink it and, um, all the things that we just talked about. So yeah. ladies and gentlemen, let that go. We give you permission. Yes, absolutely. And, and overthinking is a defensive mechanism. So when you yes. find yourself ruminating over something, you're defending yourself against something. What is it? Yes. 
How, how can people connect with you, Miss Mary? Um, I think the easiest way for people to connect with me uh, would be either on LinkedIn, um, Mary Maduna Gross, and, um, or email me at uh, mary at bluebambooleadership.com. My email or my web address, uh, my website is also bluebambooleadership.com, and there's a contact form um, that one could fill out to connect with me on there as well. And Mary, please feel free to put that, that in the chat box as well. Oh, okay. um, at least yeah. one of them. If you if you want to put the website in there, um, please feel free to do that. Uh, obviously, it'll all be in the body of the podcast, but um, this okay. is a little bit more immediate. But before yeah. you get into that, because I am going to say my goodbyes and all of that in a minute, yeah. but before we do all that, is there anything else that's top of mind or anything else you feel like you want to add before we say our goodbyes? I think the one thing that I did not mention yet is that I also produce a magazine. Uh, it's a free quarterly digital magazine. It's called The Conscious Panor. Um, I created this um, last year where the third issue is about to come out here in the next week or two. And this whole magazine is dedicated to um, conscious entrepreneurship. And I thought that was just two words put together. You know, it didn't really mean that much. And when I looked into it further, a conscious entrepreneur shares four values. They're in business to make the world a better place and they care deeply about people, profit and planet. So mm -hmm. if you feel like you are, you know, you align with these values, I would encourage, I'll have the, I'll send you also the uh, subscription link for that. Um, yes. Wonderful, amazing contributors to this magazine. And, and the whole purpose of this magazine um, is to validate that this, more feminine way of doing business. It's not the defensive way, right? Where I've got to prove that I'm bigger and better than you. Um, mm -hmm. It's a collaborative and cooperative way of doing business. So I want to validate that. I want to inform um, those conscious entrepreneurs. How do I how do I build my business in alignment with these values? And that's where all the contributors come into play, and then also inspire. Um, that conscious entrepreneur, because as I was saying bef before about my own vision, like I, I have a vision, but I know that it's pretty, it's probably pretty uh, short sighted. And so I love to share stories about um, the visions that other entrepreneurs have um, had the audacity to create. And so that's what you can find in the uh, Consciouspreneur magazine. So many beautiful things that you offer. Oh my gosh, Mary. Thank you so much for hanging out for this hour and chatting and oh my gosh, this has been sharing. so much fun. So appreciate you. And I actually want to try one of these audio effects. Ladies and okay. gentlemen, it's the, it's the magic spell. I haven't used this one. Let's see what it sounds like. Here Let's we go. Because you're casting magic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got the chills. That felt good. <laughs> I have to do that one more time, everybody, because we are casting, each one of us is casting our magic. And when you see it that way, when you hold that space that way, there's so much beauty in it. There is. So thank much you beauty. For, thank you for that. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So appreciate you. It's, and It's been wonderful. Uh, everybody, thank you so much. Those being here live those catching the replay. We are so grateful for you. We know that you could be doing anything with your hour and we so appreciate you hanging out with us. This space is all about inspiring each other, connecting and sharing stories. 
I believe we've always needed this, but I mm -hmm. believe that we need it now more than ever. And we're ready we need, for it. We, we are, right? Yep. We are so ready for it. So with that, please like, follow, share, leave reviews, all of that, whatever boosts all the algorithms in the sense of sharing, because people need to, we need to lift each other up. Absolutely. So that, that being said, I wish you a good morning, a good afternoon, a good evening, wherever you are in this world. And I look forward to connecting with you soon. So goodbye, everybody. Feeling inspired? Let's just get rid of this, throw away this whole perfectionism thing, this whole concept that we have to know how to do everything. You know what? You don't. <laughs> Let's just do things and try things and realize what we like and what we don't like. It's all part of the process. The self-awareness feels so good. You feel more connection to yourself, connection to others, and huh? be a happier, more joyful person. Just imagine that. So you are where you are in the process. So you can dip your toe in the water to try new things at a slower pace, or you can dive right in. Here at I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, we meet you where you are. So there are so many ways to check us out. Explore our experiential kits. They have everything in them that you need to try new things. You don't have to buy anything else but this kit and just explore. There's Creative Shui, which is seven elements to join happiness. Through the Publishing House, Express Yourself Publishing, multi-author books, coffee books, solo book opportunities. It is all about expression, all about it. And it's, again, just trying these things and realizing what you're good at. Don't all of a sudden think that you only fit into one box because we don't. We are not made for boxes. <laughs> there is also my TV show, I Am Creative. Check it out. The links are all in the body of this podcast. You can just click the link. And you know what? Don't say, oh, maybe I'll check it out tomorrow. Life's too short. Just click it. See what it's about. There is honestly no judgment. It's all about exploring the possibilities, expressing yourself, and expanding your thinking. I will give you the website, which is IamCreativePhilly.com. So I am creative Philly, P-H-I-L-L-Y.com. And just remember that you are an expressive being, so own it. I am looking forward to hearing your story because we all have one. <laughs>